Amen. Welcome to Catalyst. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. If this is your first time here with us, we especially want to welcome you. Uh, those of you that are joining us online, thank you for uh, being with us this morning. We're continuing in our series called Fighting the Culture War, What is the Christian to Do? And today is part six, and it's simply called the Daniel Option. Uh, if you're a member of Catalyst Life, I ask you guys to, uh, to read Daniel chapter six uh, to prepare for this. Um, those of you that have never read Daniel chapter six, I'd like you to maybe bookmark that or dog ear it or mark it on your YouVersion Bible app, whatever. It is a chapter that is one of the standout chapters in the Bible, one that we need to constantly be going to for encouragement, wisdom, and example. Daniel chapter six. That's what we're, we're here today. And so sometimes in a war, you guys, you find yourselves behind enemy lines. And in this culture war, many of you find yourselves behind enemy lines. You are uh, you're on your own, you're surrounded by a workplace or a school or a, or a team or a group of people that does not share your Christian values, maybe even pressuring you to compromise your values. Uh, you're facing shaming or ostracization or unfair grading or demotions or lack of playing time or maybe even firing or being kicked out of the school. So what do you do? These are, the stakes are pretty high. All right. Well, that's a lot of Christians, when faced with that situation, unfortunately, simply compromise. They go along to get along, they blend in, they change like a chameleon to suit the, the, uh, the, the situation. <clears throat> and that's where a lot of the church is today. Compromised, lukewarm, looking a lot like the world, standing for nothing. Uh, so much that if you stood a Christian a lot of times next to a non-Christian, you couldn't tell any difference at all. Um, and and uh, that's not what God wants for you, just letting you know. He does not want you lived in a compromised, lukewarm, blending in chameleon-like existence, as tempting as that is. That is not what God wants for you. Uh, and for those of us that don't want to be that way, that don't want to be compromised and lukewarm and chameleon and, and all this kind of thing, um, uh, those of us that anticipate being in that situation, that will become increasingly more common. We all know that. It's becoming more common now, and, and it's be, it will become increasingly more common. And so I recommend what's called the Daniel option. All right? The Bible gives us a perfect example of who to follow and what to do in this very situation. It's amazing. And I believe it has tremendous significance for us today. All right, Daniel was a young man. He was a Jewish man that had been or a teenager at the time that lived in Jerusalem. And when King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians came and sacked Jerusalem and overran the nation of Judah, he basically carted most of the population of Judah into captivity and slavery. Well, Daniel was one of them. And uh, he, however, King Nebuchadnezzar understood there were young men of talent among the, 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 the Israelis, and he looked for certain ones that would help further his kingdom. Well, he picked four. He picked Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were in a different story. All right? He, uh, so Daniel found himself carted away from his home in captivity, placed in a foreign culture. Not only he was immersed in the center of a foreign land, the, right in the royal palace. To say that this was a culture that did not honor God is an understatement. <clears throat> Excuse me. Babylonians were a warlike and ruthless uh, race of people. They believed in emperor worship. They did not believe in the God of the Bible. They worshiped power, military might, and they were the Cobra Kai of ancient civilizations. No mercy. Mercy is for the weak. 
Okay? Babylonian armies, when, co- when conquering nations, would rape and they would pillage. They would cut babies out of their pregnant, uh, of their mothers and kill them in front of the mother, so that's the last thing the mother would see. They would do this. If you want to see what the Babylonians did to people, you can read the book of Lamentations, which is written by the prophet Jeremiah uh, about this, the Bab- what Babylon did to Jerusalem. It is sickening. But it's in the book of Lamentations in the Bible. So this is where Daniel found himself. In this culture, uh, surrounded by a pagan culture, his workplace was pagan, his superiors were pagan, his subordinates were pagan. The palace culture that he was in was the epicenter of this. All right, people were vying for power. They were one of intrigue and backstabbing, vying for the king's favor, stabbing each other in the back without thinking of it again. No one trusting anyone. You're like, some of y'all are like, oh, that's... Sounds like my place of work, you know, um, and, and it may very well be. But that's the, that's the culture that Daniel was in. It was in this culture that he was thrust, and his story of one of not only how to survive but thrive in that situation, all right, how to maintain faith in God when everyone around you believes the opposite. Understanding Daniel and following example will be increasing uh, important in the coming years. And par- if you are a parent today, I want to encourage you to teach this to your children because I think our children will face mo- more culture war than we are. All right. When you find yourself in the same situation as Daniel, you take the Daniel option. So what did Daniel do? I'm glad you asked because we're going to talk about it. The first thing we do is this, is that this is, this is what Daniel did. If you look at, at Daniel 6, verse 3, be excellent at what the non-Christians demand of you. Right? It pleased Darius, who's the king, to appoint 120 sad sacks, I mean satraps, to rule throughout the kingdom with th- three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the entire kingdom. Okay, so the first step of the Daniel option <clears throat> is to uh, out-excellence the competition. This is not, this is not, a, is not done uh, by mistake or by coincidence. This was Daniel's plan. You cannot thrive in these environments, people, these non-Christian environments, if you are a complainer, if you do slipshod work, if you show up late, if you go home early, if you mismanage your responsibilities, okay? The foundation of the Daniel option is being excellent, of being more excellent than the other people around you at your job. You have to find the currency. In any situation, there's a currency. Everybody say currency. Currency. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the unwritten values of the workplace or the team or the school, the one that everybody values the most, what is value? You gotta find out what that is in your context and be excellent at it, okay? They don't fire employees that uh, outwork everyone else. Remember the, the goal of the vast majority, with few exceptions, the goal of the vast majority of people is the bottom line. The bottom line. The ma- vast majority prefer the bottom line to ideology. And the person that can't stand your faith loves the money you bring in for the company. The coach that can't stand your Christian values loves the points you're putting up on the board. The client that can't stand your thoughts on, on, on your Christian beliefs loves the same day service, the polite interactions, and the extra mile service they get when they, when they bring their business to you. Right, These are some, there are some exceptions but not many. But what I'm suggesting sounds kinda crazy. What I'm suggesting is that you use the materialistic values of the people 
to your advantage. Make it financially disadvantageous for them to persecute or fire you. Right? That's exactly what Daniel did. He so outperformed the competition that the king was going to put him over the entire kingdom. Jesus told us in Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, so be as innocent as doves and shrewd as serpents. All right? Use the materialistic values of the people around you to your, to your advantage. Be a top producer. The most non-Christian environment I ever found myself in, I'm talking like utterly non-Christian, was the soccer team in college. It was, uh, I was the only Christian there. I was the only one on the team. There was another guy who was a Christian in name only, but I was the only one. Christianity was openly mocked and derided in my presence. My faith was, right? When they found out I was going to be a pastor, oh my goodness. Uh, I, I was referred to a few times as your eminence. And one, one guy actually came up and asked me if I had a ring he could kiss. I told him I had something else you could kiss. <laughs> but, uh, but that was a daily thing for me, you guys. However, as much as Christianity, my faith was derided, winning was the currency. We were a top 20 in the nation team that wanted to win. That was value. They valued ability on the soccer field. Who was the most athletic? Who put in the work? Who, who was the toughest? Who showed up to preseason in shape and fit? They valued the ones who put in the work. Valued the ones who outworked everyone else who produced on the soccer field. And as we were nationally ranked, like I said, the, the, the stakes were high. So I made it my goal, you guys, to outwork everyone on the team. That was, my, that was my goal. I was in the weight room more. I did more intense workouts than everyone else. I worked harder in practice. I worked harder in matches than anyone else. I knew I had to because the deck was stacked against me. If I was going to earn the respect of the people around me, I had to go harder and better than everyone else. I was totally out of step with the team on just about everything else. I was not a pot smoker. I was not a drinker. I was not a womanizer. I refused to curse. They made fun of my dad gummits when everybody else was using the Lord's name in vain. Uh, Rachel, my decision to wait until marriage to have sex was, was openly mocked and derided by my teammates. However, I was all conference four years in a row, all Mideast, my junior, senior year, and I was elected captain two years in a row by people that openly mocked me. Why? Because the currency was work ethic. The currency was winning. And because I was determined to be excellent at what they valued, I was not able only just to survive, but to thrive. And the same was true of Daniel. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators that he was promoted to team captain. He figured out what the currency was, and he became better at it than anyone else. That's the first step to the Daniel option. Remove complaining, drama, half-hearted uh, work ethic from your life. All right? You have to be excellent at what they demand of you if you're gonna exercise the Daniel option, because if you aren't, you're the first one on the chopping block. Daniel wasn't only excellent with the non-Christians around and demanded of him, he took it even a step further. He was the best. All right, so needless to say, they wanted him out of there. They had a problem. And just the same problem that hopefully your coworkers or your classmates or your teammates will have with you. They didn't have anything they could get him out, get him on. There was nothing fireable about him. That's the second part of the Daniel option. We give them absolutely nothing to get you on. Daniel, if you go to verse four and five, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. 
May that be said of every person in here and joining us online. If there's nothing we can get you on, the only way we'll get you is with the law of God. Daniel becomes a target of a witch hunt, but he solidified his defenses. See, there were two things the cockroaches were looking for. They were looking for corruption and negligence, and those are the two things that they're gonna look for in you. They're gonna look for corruption and negligence. Right, the first thing is corruption. That they'll look for things that you did that you shouldn't have done. That's what corruption is. All right? They'll look for things you said that you shouldn't have said. Did you write a politically correct, incorrect email 10 years ago? Have you made inappropriate jokes with people of the opposite sex? Have, did you lose your temper and say abusive things to a coworker that somebody has on record? All right? Anyone who's been the target of a witch hunt knows exactly how unreasonable these people can be. If you've done anything, They'll find it and they'll use it against you. They will go through your life with a fine-tooth comb, spinning things to their advantage, taking things out of context, looking at every possible policy violation, even the ones that no one follows, and use it against you. These people are ruthless, and they are evil, and they don't care if they destroy you in the, project, in the process. Be very vigilant in the Daniel option. Have integrity beyond what is normal. So Daniel did, account for every single penny, be able to produce evidence of all your financial management, never handle conflict by writing text or email, all right? Never have a written account of times you're angry or need to confront someone, all right? It'll be taken out of context, you use it against you. How do I know? Because it's been done to me, all right? And it will, too, it will be for you too. They'll look for things you did, and then, then if they can't find anything that you did that you shouldn't have done, they'll look for things you should have done that you didn't. That's called negligence. Right, many times, this is completely unfair. They're, 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 they list the things that everyone else is doing um, uh, 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 to, to you as well, but it's against some policy. That's what they get you on. And that everything, everyone is doing it, defense doesn't work. Let's say everyone goes, oh, I, I worked uh, at Little Caesars when I was, an, uh, uh, and I had to clock in and out, hourly employee. Well, the standard practice there was for somebody to go home early and just have a person, have a friend clock out for them about 30 minutes or 45 minutes later, and then they would return the favor. They, that, that was a common practice. Everyone was doing it. Well, um, when you are the target of a witch hunt, it doesn't matter if everyone else is doing it, it only matter if you did it. All right, if everyone used their company card for a few purchases here and there, it doesn't matter. It only matters if you do it. They'll look for corruption, they'll look for negligence. Like I said, this is just the opposite. They'll look for things you didn't do but shouldn't have. Uh, sloppy bookkeeping, not turning in receipts of, of expenses, uh, failing to show up for a meeting, etc. cetera. Uh, like in the first case, there'll be things that everyone else is doing that's part of the culture, but they'll get you on. All right, be diligent and not neglectful. These cockroaches look for anything, and I mean anything that Daniel uh, had done or they could remove him for and they found nothing. To illustrate how ruthless these people are, one of the guys that I look up to one of the best preachers, probably one of the most godly men I've ever known uh, or ever, ever listened to is a guy named Louis Giglio. Um, he uh, is, is an amazing preacher, amazing influencer. Um, he was going to be honored by then-president Barack Obama for his work on human trafficking. Um, he, uh, he, Louis Giglio was the person that started the passion movement from which we get a lot of our modern worship music. Uh, he reached hundreds of thousands of the hardest people in the world to reach, which are college students, with the gospel every year. Um, he personally mobilized tens of thousands of college students to rescue people from sex slavery, men, women, children. Um, and his work was so excellent 
that he uh, uh, that that, that uh, Obama was going to uh, was was going to uh, recognize him. Well, the cockroaches went back into his history, back 15 years, 15 years, and found out one time he said that homosexuality was a sin. They went to the media, and it was crucify Louis Giglio week. He was disinvited from the White House, called a bigot and a racist and a homophobe, and every, everything in the book, how terrible these people are. That's how much they want to destroy you. See, the people wanting to destroy Louis Giglio tried to find corruption in him, but they couldn't. It turns out they look for, they actually put things out. Has Louis Giglio ever abused you? Has Louis Giglio ever made an inappropriate remark to you? Has, they, they, they actually went out, and they couldn't find any. They look for money mismanagement claims, couldn't find any. They look for people, like I said, have been mean to or abused, couldn't find any. Then they look for negligence. Apparently, uh, it came out later, they, they asked the IRS if passing conferences had not filed taxes. Um, they, they, they do sloppy work. You know, now his work was excellent, and uh, conferences brought in the best talent. They couldn't find any corruption or negligence. So they had to go find out something about his faith, same thing they did to Daniel. Christians, you have to give them nothing to get you on. Make sure it's the, the only thing they can get you on is your faith in God. That's perfectly acceptable and nothing else. Don't let them get you on laziness or dishonesty or abuse or mismanagement because they will. Don't, listen, don't let them get you on drunkenness or adultery or anything else. Give them nothing to get you on. Let, only the, let the only accusations they can make against you, like Daniel, be against your faith. And when that happens, we move to the third part of the Daniel option. Number three, do not budge so much as one inch on what you know to be right. Look what happens, verse six through 10. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree decree in writing. Verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel did not budge so much as one inch. He didn't think about it. He didn't reason about it. He didn't make excuses. He did not budge one single inch what he knew was right. See, Daniel didn't do all that work and maintain all that consistency, rise to the top to fold on a 30-day mandate. Daniel didn't budge so much as one inch. What, what did he do when faced with a direct attack on his faith? Went right home and continued what he was doing. Think about the temptation of compromise. Think if you were in this situation, people, what would be the temptation? Lion's den. Now, Lion's Den was a normal thing. They threw political prisoners in there, people that they want to make an example of. Dying by a lion, being torn apart by a lion was not a pretty thing. It was very public. People saw it. Daniel had seen many, many, many people thrown into the Lion's Den. He knew what happened to them. Think about it. It's only 30 days. God will understand, right? Can you see his friends telling him that? Um, you know, it's only prayer. Yeah, why, why don't you just pray silently? Just pray silently, and then no one will know. Uh, uh, you know, Daniel, the, the, the cost-benefit analysis just, just doesn't work out. I mean, Daniel, lion's den. All this is is prayer. That's all it is. 
And, and, and Daniel, it's not like you really have to do anything different. They, they're not making you stop reading you know, the scriptures. They're not asking you to lie or to murder someone. They're not asking a whole lot, man, it's just prayer. All it is is prayer, Daniel. I mean, versus the lion's den? Come on. What's 30 days, man? We need you in the palace. You, you have to be a good influencer, man. If you die, we lose all of your influence. Come on, you have to just follow this. Can you imagine what was going on? Think of the temptation to compromise. And I think most Christians I know could live this edict, sadly, with very little change to their lives. No disruption at all, honestly. But Daniel didn't listen to in any of the temptations. Why? I want you to hear this. Because he knew that opening that door, even one crack would lead to a flood. If I compromise, if I am over here with my faith, and over there is unbelief, even doing this makes the next step that much easier, and the next step that much easier, and the next step that much easier. It's only 30 days, it's just this one time, it's, and all of a sudden I'm all the way over here. See, Daniel knew that. I don't think a lot of us do. See, this wasn't Daniel's first rodeo. He knew, he didn't, well, he, he didn't get to be head administrator by being an idiot, being naive. He probably knew that 30-day 30 mandates were not 30-day mandates. He probably knew that this would go on until he caught him, until they caught him. This wasn't about a 30-day period. This was about getting Daniel. So at the end of 30 days, if he, if he didn't pray for 30 days, it'd just be renewed until he did. He knew that. See, Daniel decided that he would not do for one day what he would not do for the rest of his life. Hear that? He decided he would not do for one day what he would not do for the rest of his life. He wouldn't, if he wouldn't agree to it permanently, he wouldn't agree to it for one day. If he would not agree to permanently never pray again, he, would never, he wouldn't do it for just one day. See, that's the Daniel option. That's the resolution of the Daniel option. If we won't do it forever, we won't do it for one second. What you won't agree to permanently, don't agree for one second. See, that's the way we compromise. That's the way God, that's the way Satan gets us. He gets us to agree to violate God's word in our faith if it's only just for a short period of time. To Daniel, it didn't matter if it was only an hour-long decree. It didn't matter if it was a 30-minute decree. It was the action that mattered. Asking me to stop praying to God, not gonna do it. And I don't care if it's for 30 days or 30 years or 30 seconds, I'm not doing it. If I'm not gonna agree to it forever, I'm not gonna agree to it for one second. That is the Daniel option. Do not budge one inch. The second you do, you'll find yourself compromising every single day. That's what Daniel knew. And you'll wake up one day and you finally completely destroyed everything you believe in, one small step at a time. So Daniel, instead of listening, he goes home and he prays three times a day, continues doing what he's been doing. Step four of the Daniel option, have faith that God is greater than the challenge. We move, look what happens in Daniel 13, uh, 6 or 13 through 23. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty. I love the way they put that. It's not, you know, he, he's just kind of continuing what he's done all this time. No, no, he pays no attention to you, your majesty. See, they, tried, they have to dress it up and make it seem worse. 
or the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the, of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace, spent the night without eating, and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lion's den, from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, and when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. I heard a pastor once say that Daniel would have rather been torn apart by lions than miss one night of prayer with God. It's time for Christians to so value their relationship with God that we would face a lion's den rather than compromise. Many times people ask me why they don't see miracles more often. Where is God? Why don't we see more miracles Well, the miracle happened in the lion's den. The vast majority of Christians would have never made it there. Would have compromised so they never would have been thrown in, right? Do you believe that God today is greater than your challenge? Do you believe that today? I'm asking genuinely, genuinely, do you believe God is greater than the challenge? See, what we found, what we find with Daniel and with all of us, is that when we are pressed, presented with a challenge, when we're pressed, we choose what we value most. If Daniel valued his life, his position of authority, more than his relationship with God, he would have followed the edict. Because when tested, we always do what we value most. At the point of challenge, we always choose what we value. Wanna know what you, what you value most? Simple. What do you choose when you're challenged? What do you do when you're pressed? When you're faced with two options, what do you take? That's what you value most. The second question is, what do you not value? Well, what do you sacrifice? Daniel showed that he valued God more than his own life, more than his position of authority, more than anything. He was willing to let go of life, position, authority, etc., before he let go of God. And I would love for people in here to be able to say that. I'll, I'll let go of everything before I let go of God. I'll let go of my life. I'll let go of my retirement. I'll let go of my paycheck. I will let go of my home. I will let go of friends before I let go of God. Will God always close the mouths of the lions? No. Hundreds of thousands of Christians are killed every year, face persecution for their faith, every year. And God doesn't stop them. He does sometimes, but not every time. And you say, Dave, you just kind of destroyed your whole sermon here. 
No, I didn't. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that God closes the mouths of the lions every single time, because that'd be a lie. That's untrue. And that's why there's another story in the Bible about Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you go back three chapters to Daniel chapter three, they were, they were Jewish teenagers. King Nebuchadnezzar built a statue of himself and decreed that everybody had to worship or he'd be thrown in the furnace. And when the music played, the entire nation dropped down except for three teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the guards grab them and they bring him before King Nebi. And he said, hey, didn't I give you orders to bow down and worship? They're like, yeah, we heard it. And he goes, well, why aren't you doing it? You, you understand that I'm gonna throw you into the fiery furnace if you don't. And here in Daniel chapter three, verse 16 through 17, this was their answer. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. In other words, King, you can give us a second chance, a third chance, a tenth chance, a thousand chances, We're, it doesn't matter. We're not changing our mind. There's no need for us to say anything else to you about it. We're done, we've decided. They go on to say this, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They look at King Nebuchadnezzar and say, listen, God can save us and we believe he will, but if he doesn't, even if you turn the three amigos into the three taquitos, <laughs> we will not bow down and worship. We are not budging. It doesn't matter what happens to us because our faith in God is not based on results, it's based on our faith in God. It's right and it's wrong. That's what we're going with. So if we don't get the, the outcome we want, it doesn't matter. We win either way, your majesty, because you can throw us in the furnace and if God doesn't save us, he takes us right to heaven and we live forever. But if he, if he saves us from the furnace, amen, we win then too. You can't beat us, Nebuchadnezzar. So we're not, we're not gonna do what you say. We choose God, why? So he'll save us, no. We choose God because we love God. Because it's right, because, not because of the outcome, because what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. Daniel had seen Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do this. He'd seen this. And he, he saw them take this stand before God and he saw God save them you think that was on his mind as he was thrown into the lion's den? He'd seen Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego rescued from the fire. You think that was on his mind? Absolutely it was. Christians, never discount the example you set for someone else. A stand that you take in faith today, it may wreck you, but there may be some teenager or some child, or some young man, or some young woman that looks at you and said, that's it, and I'm doing that. Never discount the example you set. Never think that your stands aren't being watched by others. Never think that the stand you take will not encourage someone else. Also, sadly, never discount your compromises being followed by the people around you too. Never discount that. So many times, in Sunday school, we end the story there. Daniel survives the lion's den, yay God. 
But the story doesn't end there. It goes on. The fifth part of the Daniel's option is this, have faith in God's justice. People are always shown for who they are. Daniel 6, 24 through 28. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to the nations and peoples of every language on earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. Destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and the earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius in the king, reign of Cyrus the Persian. Why did the king throw the accusers and their families in there? Well, he knew what kind of people they were. Believe me, people know what kind of people are around them. Your boss knows. Your teammates know. Your school knows. They know who's, who has integrity and who doesn't. They know who's a cockroach and who isn't. Believe me, they do. Why were the families thrown in there? Take note. Families are always affected by the decisions of immoral fathers and mothers. Always. Children always bear the brunt of sin. Remember, people, if you're a schemer or a cockroach, and this is how you get ahead in life, accusing people, scheming, backstabbing, trying to get ahead. If this is how you do it, you and your family will pay the price. Not just you. You'll, they will be destroyed too. See, at this moment, Daniel was shown for who he was. A man of faith, integrity, innocence. The accusers were shown for who they were in this moment of re revealing worthless, scheming cockroaches. God always reveals. Listen, Kibler rule of life number one is this. People are always shown for who they are. It may take a little while, but they're always shown for who they are. Everyone, you will be, I will be, everything. There's a camera on you people, and what you do, you think no one else knows, will be displayed, good or bad, before the whole world, okay? It's 100% guaranteed people are always shown for who they are. Make sure that when that day comes, for you, that it's a good day, that you're shown to be a person of character, a person of faith, a person of love, of joy. Make sure that that is the way it is because you'll, if, you're, if it's gonna be a bad day for you, if you're shown to be a coward, a schemer, a yes man or a yes woman without any backbone, you'll be shown for that too. You'll be shown to be, I hope that you'll be shown to be a person of great courage, faith, integrity, and perseverance. It depends if you've taken the Daniel option or not. That's what it'll depend on. I'm gonna invite the band to come on back up. As the band comes up, I simply ask this question to those in person and online. Are there any Daniels in here? You're looking at the example Daniel set to be excellent, to out-excellent the people around you to give them nothing to get you on, to not budge one inch what you know to be right, to trust that God is greater than the challenge, and to wait for the justice of God? Is there anyone in here willing to do that? Willing to face the lion's den rather than compromise? Ready to be the example to someone? Remember, 
It is at the time of testing that God is with you the most. It is the time of testing that God does his best work. So many of us never see God do his best work. So many of us never see the miracles. So many of us never experience that closeness with God simply because we desire to stay out of the lion's den. But it's in the lion's den that we find out the greatness and the awesomeness of God. I, I close with this prayer. This prayer was credited to Uncle Bud Robinson, who was a country preacher, brought many, many to the Lord. And he prayed this every morning. I think it has great relevance for us today. Oh Lord, give me a backbone as big as a saw log, ribs like the timbers under the church floor, put iron shoes on me and galvanized britches on my legs. Give me a rhinoceros hide for a, uh, <clears throat> hide for a skin and hang a wagon load of determination up in the gable end of my soul. Help me to sign a contract to fight the devil as long as I've got a fist and bite him as long as I've got a tooth and then gum him till I die. All this I ask in Christ's name.